what do disco clubs, backdoors, espionage, and internet service providers in Belarus have in common? They're all tied with the same mustache bouncer. It sounds like a bad joke, but it sums up some of the key findings of ESET's latest research into a new APT group that was spotted in the wild and our ESET researchers will be talking about at Black Hat in Las Vegas. My name is Ari Goretsky. I'm ESET's distinguished researcher and the host of the ESET Research Podcast. Today, I'll be talking with ESET's Director of Threat Research, Jean-Ian Boutin, about the tools, activities, and techniques of a threat actor named Mustache Bouncer that was newly uncovered by his ESET research colleague, Mathieu Faou, at Mar Montreal office. As our researchers are working around the world, we always record this podcast remotely. This may cause differences and issues in audio quality that are difficult for us to control. Thank you for your patience and understanding, and enjoy the podcast. John Ian, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Eric. Glad to be here. Well, uh, thank you for joining us and for taking the time out of your schedule, which I know is quite busy, uh, to talk to us about this uh, new threat actor um, that you've uncovered. What can you tell us about Mustache Bouncer? What activity was it that you saw that was so interesting? Yeah, sure. So first of all, we have to uh, keep in mind that this is a threat actor that has never been discussed publicly. So this is a new threat actor, uh, as far as we know. And the interesting stuff is that it's been active since at least 2014. And this threat actor, what it does is that it conducts espionage campaigns against foreign embassies and diplomats, which are located within Belarus. So this is quite uh, unique. And the fact that they've been at it for so long uh, means that this redactor is really dedicated and worth uh, being interested into, of course. And what is also kind of unique in this, in this case is that we believe that they are actually conducting adversary in the middle type of attack, meaning that they are able to intercept network communication from their targets and play with it with the goal of modifying the network traffic, but also injecting uh, some malware into it, meaning that they are able to compromise a target uh, that is basically just using the internet by hijacking its connection. So another aspect that is quite interesting that we'll be developing later on is the fact that they are actually using this adversary in the middle technique for their CNC communication as well, meaning that there is no uh, physical infrastructure to actually monitor or take down because of the fact that they're able to manipulate, as we believe they are doing, uh, manipulate network traffic. This means that uh, they are able to intercept IP addresses that they don't even control. That sounds like, uh, in a sense, they've taken um, the new high ground um, in, in terms of what they're attacking. Um, I, I take it these adversary in the middle attacks are um, extremely rare and they require, um, you know, at least some knowledge on, on the part of the uh, telcos and internet service providers. I, I have to ask you something that 
has been on my mind since, since I first heard about this. Why the name Mustache Bouncer? So it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting name. Um, so it comes from some of the tool set that they've been using. So we know that two malware that they're using, one of them we call uh, Disco, and the other one, which is the oldest one, we call Nightclub. So to keep up with this type of uh, late night partying scenario, uh, we came up with a Buncer team. And since this threat actor is targeting um, organizations within Belarus, we decided to go with the uh, moustached bouncer name uh, based also on famous moustache by Mr. Lukashenko. I, I'm glad I asked you that because I never would have guessed. So you, you've explained that this is a incredibly targeted set of attacks. It is occurring only in uh, this, this one country. What sort of data from the the victims is mustache bouncer interested in yeah so we believe that they're uh, doing conducting mostly uh, cyber espionage type of campaigns so they have tools that will allow them to get uh, sensitive information such as documents or pdfs that are located within uh, the undercompromised system uh, they also have some plugins that will allow them to take screenshots of the computer, uh, the desktop that the user is seeing, uh, and to take audio uh, sample as well. So they do have uh, the type of, of plugins that uh, are like usually or routinely found in these type of espionage uh, campaigns. Now, I, I understand um, that uh, adversary in the middle attacks usually mean attacks at the internet service provider or telco level. How did you come to that determination um, is, is this a common type of attack that you see? As I uh, discussed previously, what we saw is these attacks against uh, diplomatic organizations and foreign embassies within Belarus. Uh, at first, we didn't know what was happening, but what we, uh, what we saw is the fact that when a user was trying to access the internet, somehow his device uh, thought that it was behind some kind of captive portal. And as you might know, whenever a computer is connecting to, let's say, a Wi-Fi router, it will then try to access a predefined domain to see whether it has access to internet or not. And what happens in this case is that we know that the network communication is hijacked and the DNS request is, um, is obtained by the threat actor somehow. And what it returns is actually another IP address, which should not be, uh, which is not the one that it should normally receive. So there are a number of scenarios that could explain this, uh, this particular case we're looking at. But the fact that uh, people from different organizations, we know that some uh, residential IPs were also uh, targeted by this, and that at least two different ISPs uh, were allegedly involved. Uh, we believe that the fact that if that the router compromise or some kind of, of gateways that would be compromised on each of these organizations is a possible scenario. But what we feel is the most likely is that potentially that there are some uh, devices that are able to do deep packet inspection at the ISP level. So of course we have no, no uh, evidence of that. Uh, this is only an hypothesis at this point because there's no way for us to actually verify that. Uh, but this is, this is what we believe is the most likely at this point. So you asked beforehand if that was a likely or a, a very uh, common scenario. Well, this is not the case. So we know of other cases that, that something like that happened. We might come back to this uh, later on. But uh, for example, there was this mosquito case uh, that was uh, done by the Turla Group, 
which was also targeting uh, diplomats within Russia this time, so not uh, Belarus, but within Russia. And that was basically weaponizing uh, specific applications that were downloaded by the, the victims or the targets. Uh, so we see this from time to time, but this is not something that we see uh, very often. And um, we know that uh, Belarus and Russia both have uh, SORM equipment installed. Can you tell us also a little bit about that and how that might be uh, affecting this adversarial attack? One thing that we know, and of course, again, we have no way to actually uh, determine whether this is what's happening here or not. But what we know is that there are some type of devices called SORM which are able to do deep packet inspection. So what that means is that if there is HTTP traffic going at the ISP level, for example, they will be able to inspect that traffic and actually inject or modify the traffic uh, as it goes through it. And we know that these type of systems are deployed in certain countries, let's say Russia uh, and, and then Belarus are two known countries that uses these type of devices. And they are meant to do lawful interception, meaning that if the authorities have some, um, some suspicion that they, they should be investigating a criminal case, for example, and they would like to look into the network traffic for specific IPs. These type, these type of devices can do that. Now, uh, we have, as I said earlier, and I've said many times already, uh, we have no evidence on what's happening exactly, but we believe that one of the, uh, one of the approaches that would explain this network uh, hijacking, interception, and modification of the, of the packets could be the SOM devices. And we know that Belarus has a law that will, um, that, that will force the ISPs to be compliant to these type of devices as well. So just to be clear, these devices are installed on every customer's internet connection. And you'd mentioned that they had the ability to uh, intercept, inspect, and modify HTTP traffic. Uh, what about HTTPS? So the, the, the so of course HTTP does not provide encryption, meaning that it's much easier for these type of devices to look into it. So what we believe is that uh, these devices that are installed on the uh, in in the network of the ISP level, they are they have the ability to inspect some IP. So of course uh, they might not have the capabilities. And again, like uh, we're just doing a hypothesis here, but they probably not have the capability to inspect all traffic that is going through these ISPs. So they have to pick specific IPs that they want to monitor. Now, uh, this is another evidence or point, a data point that we have is that we try to reproduce some of these, uh, some of these attack scenarios ourselves with IP addresses within Belarus, and we were never able to actually uh, get any of these payloads or see any of these behavior, which lead us to think that uh, this, this threat actor is actually uh, pinpointing specific IPs that they're interested in. That being said, in case of HTTPS, uh, if they want to do deep, deep packet inspection on this one, that would mean that they need to decrypt the traffic first, which means that they would to have, have had some kind of certificate in place to actually be able to decrypt that. Uh, so the the level of, of the, the, how could I put this, the it's much harder for them to actually get to this point, basically, meaning that uh, we, like all of the attacks we've seen, were mostly on HTTP, and we believe that they, they are mostly doing these type of network hijacking and modification with HTTP traffic. So you would definitely be very suspicious, um, very concerned, if you got a request from the government to install a uh, certificate on your device. 
Yeah, and there are some technologies such, such as certificate pinning that would also pro- uh, uh, forbid this type of attack scenario as well. Well, s- since th- this uh, mustache bouncer threat actor is targeting the network connection um, r- rather than specific devices on it, they must have access to every device uh, going through that network connection. What specifically were they targeting um, in terms of operating systems and and platforms? Were they looking at like my uh, streaming TV or was this more targeted at phones, tablets, PCs, that type of thing? So the the typical scenario we saw was against uh, Windows uh, systems. So how it would work is that when the uh, system would try to connect to the internet, they would make this connection test through this Windows uh, domain. And then the attacker would somehow uh, modify the traffic from that point on, uh, meaning that they would redirect the, uh, the user to a fake update page and they will they would try to lure them into installing some install packages that would then install malware on their computer, and they would be able after that to control uh, the computer through this this malware. So what we've seen is really these attacks were uh, against Windows uh, operating system. Well, Windows is the most widely used operating system, so I suppose that's not particularly unexpected. This whole process sounds uh, quite complicated, um, how much harder was it for you to detect than, um, well, I, I, your your average uh, threat actor campaign? And I know that it's not a linear thing because each one is different. But um, in terms of the uh, TTPs used by this adversary, um, what really stood out as making it a little bit more challenging for you? Yep. So the fact that they are using adversary in the middle definitely makes the whole research uh, much more complicated. So when we, like a typical criminal campaign that we will be uh, investigating, would include some malware, and then we would know that it's hosted on, on, on some bad domain, and we can kind of retrace the different steps that were required to install this malware. In this case, there, it was a head-scratcher from the beginning because we were seeing what looked like a legitimate uh, behavior, but in the end, malware was served from legitimate IPs. Malware was served from uh, legitimate-looking domains as well, meaning that we had to really look at the different cases we had uh, that were like organizations that were impacted by these attacks, trying to re-figure out what was going on. And this is when we realized that because of the IPs that were used, because of the domains that were used, that uh, some type of interception was the most likely scenario. And based on that, then we tried to find other um, evidences that actually led to uh, to us to to believe with medium confidence that this adversary in the middle technique was definitely used. And one of the interesting thing is also how the plugins are deployed on the machine. So you have to uh, to know that the, the two different backdoors are using the disco and the uh, and the nightclub one. What they're what they're having is that they are they, they have plugins and the latest installment the disco one is actually using SMB share to get these uh, or what looks like SMB share to get these plugins and also exfiltrate data, which is quite an interesting uh, feature. And what they do is that they use an SMB share hosted on an IP that they don't control, and they're able to actually get also uh, the information that is going to this IP, which is another hint that there are some network. Uh, 
the network manipulation and interception going on. So all of these little things uh, in themselves are not like proven enough to, to, to for us to say that. But in the end, uh, with 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 all of that, uh, all of these ends, we're able to to say with high confidence. You know, I, I guess that really just goes to uh, cement the fact that they are. Uh, an adversary in the middle if they're using SMB shares because that means they uh, completely control the uh, IP infrastructure there uh, so they can get away with that. So with this adversary in the middle capability only working in side of, of Belarus and possibly Russia, um, um, would you say that the mustache bouncer threat actor is Russian, Belarusian? You don't know exactly? Yep, so uh, the mustache bouncer threat group, we don't know for sure uh, like who are behind. And this is not really our focus at ESET. So we do know that some groups interests are aligned with specific countries so this is how we this is why we use this terminology uh, of course we will never uh, say that this is xyz country behind a specific group because we just don't have the ability to prove that out of uh, without a shadow of a doubt so that being said the fact that all of the um, attacks have been ongoing only in belarus and that uh, we believe uh, that the most likely scenario is that there is some type of ISP level network interception going on. Uh, it looks like this group would be aligned, uh, like Belarusian aligned. Uh, we did find some Russian sentences in, in the code of some of the tools that they've been using. Uh, but we have to remember that uh, in Belarusian, even though there are uh, there, there is a language called Belarusian, like Russian is uh, the most widespread language there. Um, so that aligns well with what we believe that uh, Mustache Bouncer is a uh, Belarusian line. But again, we, we have no um, like 100% proof about who might be behind, but this is uh, how we qualify them. Th thank you for that explanation. I know that a lot of our listeners um, are, are curious exactly about how we make these determinations and with what confidence level. Um, so... Um, pivoting away from the uh, attackers for a moment, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the victims and, and what happens to them. Um, it, it seems pretty clear that uh, the folks who were being targeted were employees of embassies. Could these folks you know, possibly be bringing back um, malware, remote access trojans, that kind of thing, home after uh, they've been uh, compromised or victimized by a mustache bouncer. So the capabilities of the malware doesn't include uh, worm-like behavior, meaning that it won't be able to spread out by itself. Of course, uh, if in the, in the scenario we described earlier where uh, the target would try to access the internet and then would be asked to install updates if the, the victim go, goes ahead and then install the malware on the computer, then the attacker has different means to control the computer. So of course, they could try to, 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 to spread from that location, but there is no functionality that would allow it to, be, to do it on an automatic basis. So um, with, with 
the attacks and victims in mines, what exactly do we know in terms of the the cyber threat activities that um, we see from Belarusia? What exactly is the level of threat that I, I suppose they, they you could say that they pose? So definitely seeing a threat group that we believe uh, is, is most likely Belarusian aligned uh, and that it's being able to do adversary in the middle type of attack. Uh, this is quite an interesting uh, feature. Uh, this, as we've uh, discussed previously, uh, this is not something that we see very often, meaning that not all threat actors have this type of capabilities, meaning that they are definitely uh, sophisticated. Um, then after that, the uh, we know of another uh, group that is called the Whisper Gate, that uh, like the Whisper Ghost, I'm sorry, these guys um, there, there, is, there is a very interesting report by Mendiant on this group, which they call UNC-1151. And this particular ghostwriter group, uh, they are doing most of this information campaign. And the Mendiant group uh, also attribute these, these, these attacks to, uh, like to be Belarusian aligned as well. Uh, so it's interesting to see that there are uh, different groups that are operating from this, this country that we don't hear about too much, at least in, in Canada and in the US. Uh, but it's interesting to see that they do have this, these type of cyber capabilities in their arsenal. So uh, based on the victimology uh, that you've, you've seen so far, um, do random people, uh, ordinary netizens, uh, or for that matter, uh, citizens in Belarus, um, need to worry about being a victim of these types of attacks? So the, uh, w- what we saw in these attacks uh, were that the mustache bouncer target, threat, acti- threat actor were targeting uh, diplomats and, and foreign organizations that are in Belarus. So we didn't see them target like normal or local residents. On the other hand, if our hypothesis is true and that they are able to do deep packet inspection and they are able to do at the ISP level some kind of network manipulation or injection, then of course anyone that is using the internet over there might be uh, subject to these type of attacks. Final question for you. Uh, If I had to um, physically uh, go to Belarus or work from there, take a vacation there, whatever, what steps would I need to take to protect myself uh, from this adversary in the middle type of attack? So the idea would be to use a full tunnel VPN. What that does is that it will allow you to have a, a connection that will be from your endpoint all the way to an exit point that is in your uh, local country, which you believe uh, might not be at risk of such network interception. So we already saw that it was most HTTP traffic that were uh, at risk for this type of network interception. And by using a full uh, tunnel VPN, then you will be able to evade uh, this risk. So definitely, if you do have business there, uh, the, uh, it would be a very uh, smart move to use a full tunnel. Thank you for that piece of advice. This has been an episode of the ESET Research Podcast. For more information on our research activities, follow ESET Research on Twitter or Mastodon, or you can visit WeLiftSecurity.com to read the latest blogs and white papers on these types of attacks. This show was hosted by me, Ari Goretsky. Our guest today was ESET's Director of Threat Intelligence, Jean-Ian Bhutan. Our producer was Security Awareness Specialist, 
Andrei Kubovich. This podcast was created with love and care in Bratislava. Until the next time, stay safe. Thank you.